Today I want to look into the Word of God into an old subject, so it's nothing new. The Bible says there's nothing new under heaven anyway. We're just kind of repeating old stuff and reminding each other, hey, we need to hang on to these things. And um, I want to look at the Ten Commandments today, but we're going to start in the book of Genesis. Pastor Brad said we need to have a lot of Scripture. That way, if uh, there'll be some things that'll be said that will be anointed, right? And uh, I want to take a look at, I'm not going to hold a secret, and I don't have any fancy way of introducing it to you other than to say, I want to talk about the words from the Old Testament that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Uh, there are Ten Commandments, and um, the first four have to do with our relationship with God. Uh, you'll have no other gods before me. You'll make no graven images. Uh, you'll not take the name of the Lord in vain. And remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then the other six commandments are about our relationship to other people. You remember when Jesus was questioned by the young man um, who, who asked him, or the teacher of the law who asked him, Lord, which is the great commandment? Or called him rabbi, which is the great commandment? Uh, the greatest of all the commandments, because the Jews were, they were familiar with commandments and ordinances and statutes and laws, some from God and some that were created by man. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he said, and the second one is like unto that is to love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, he was addressing, first of all, there has to be a vertical relationship before there is a horizontal relationship. In other words, you can't really love the way people need to be loved until you learn how to love God and receive his love for you. Amen? Amen. So there is this one we talk about do not murder, do not steal. We even teach these things to our kids. Don't covet, covet what your neighbor has. All these things, don't, don't present false witness. You know, obey your parents. You know, some of us have been hit over the head with that one. Obey your parents in the Lord, you know. Honor your parents, it says. Only one place in the Bible says obey, but it says honor your parents, okay, that your days may be long upon the earth. But what about this fourth one, the Sabbath? Because we don't go to church on Saturday, and we all know that Sunday is the first day of the week, right? So I'm not starting a new movement. I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm, I'm not a Jew. And so I'm not going to promote that we stop having Sunday services and do it all on Saturday. Because who can compete with the malls and Walmart on Saturday, right? <laughs> not even God's church could compete with all that. No, that's not what I'm trying to say, but it's not about the day, but it's about the concept. It's about the idea. It's about the thing that God was hoping to achieve in all of this, okay? Now, let me, let me just clarify for a moment. I'll give you a little history lesson here. Uh, today is called Sunday, and it's been our worship day as long as I can remember. It's been the worship day for the church almost since its inception on the day of Pentecost. But it's called Sunday. You, you know why we call it Sunday? Because not every Sunday is sunny. Some days are cloudy. We, and we don't call those cloudy day. We call them all Sunday. You know why? Because our calendar comes from the ancient Romans. And on the first day of the week, they worshiped the sun god. And Monday 
could be called moon day. Or in Latin or Italian, it's called lunity, which is luna in Spanish and in the Romance languages. Luna is the moon. So Monday is the worship of the moon. So Sunday you worship the sun. Tomorrow you worship the moon. Tuesday was called martiri. Or uh, in, in Latin, it meant uh, that we, we honor the planet Mars. Wednesday was called Mercolidi, or we, we honor the god Mercury. You get, the, you get it? And Friday is the day we honor the, the planet Venus, or the gods of Venus, okay? So Sunday is, a, is the, the day to worship the sun. Well, when John the Apostle began to teach, as we read it in his gospel in chapter 1, he said, he said on, about Sunday, he says, the Lord was the light of the world. And Sunday was also the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So in the early church, you'll read about in the book of Acts, the Sunday or the first day of the week became their celebration day to celebrate the power of the resurrection and have communion. So they started having their meetings on the first day of the week. And we worship the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Now, if you were to go to Jerusalem today, and I've been to Jerusalem twice, I I hope to be able to go again before my life on earth comes to an end. But in Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the home to three major uh, religions. Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. One of the holy sites of Islam is in Jerusalem, okay? The Al-Aqsa Mosque and the temple, uh, the, uh, uh, the Dome of the Rock Church. Uh, in, and I've been to all those places. So Friday is the holy day of Muslims, and so they close all the Arab shops on Friday. It's called Juma, Okay? Saturday is the worship day of the Jews. That's called the Sabbath. And so all the Jewish shops are closed. So you gotta, when you're there as a tourist, you got to know which shops you want to go to because a lot of them are closed on Friday, and there's a whole bunch more that are closed on Saturday. And on Sunday, all the Christian shops are closed. So it's almost like three-day weekend in Jerusalem uh, every week because of those holy days. All right, so those are some things that are interesting. So we worship on the first day of the week, Sunday, because he's the light of the world. It's the day of resurrection. And by the way, on what day of the week did the Holy Spirit fall in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost? Sunday, the first day of the week, the Holy Spirit came on Sunday, and we call that the birth of the church. Now, this whole idea of the Sabbath, goes all the way back to creation. And you know that story, but I'd like for us to read it again. So turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll start reading right there at the beginning of Genesis 2. And we're trying to understand the heart of God. What is God wanting for his people? Why, why the fourth commandment? And how are we to observe that today? And it, it's not a literal thing like, okay, we need to shut the church down on Sunday and start worshiping on Saturday. Then we're truly worshiping on the Sabbath. No, it's not about that. And we're not trying to legislate that because we're living under grace. And we, we do the commandments not because we have to, but because we want to. And the want to is in our heart. Amen? Come on, amen. The want to is in our heart. 
We want to please God. We want to love God. We want to be his people. We want to worship our Lord. So that's why we follow the commandments of the Lord. Okay. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day. And he made that day holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So this whole idea of a day of rest on the seventh day was, was instituted by God. But there's something there that's a little bit strange because it says that on that day God rested from all his work. Now, if you go into the Psalms, the Psalms say that God does not sleep nor does he slumber. That God doesn't need to rest. God doesn't need to take a nap. God never goes on vacation. God doesn't have a day off. I mean, there are sometimes you pray and you think, God, where are you? Right? But God is always there. So God's not a man like us that he needs to have a seventh day of rest. So why did he do it? Why does the word of God say? So God came to an end of all of his creative work. And he rested. And then he blessed that day and he made it holy. I've often thought about that in relationship with the baptism of Jesus. You remember Jesus came to John in the Jordan and John was baptizing. And what was he preaching to the crowds? Repent of your sins. Oh, you brood of vipers. Get right with God. Leave your sins and repent and turn and come and be baptized and you will be saved. And that's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He said, repent of your sins and be baptized and you shall be saved. Now, Jesus comes to John in the Jordan River and Jesus says, John, I want to be baptized. By the way, they were cousins. And he said, I need to be baptized. And John said, oh, no, Lord, said I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, baptize me. Now, did Jesus have sins to repent of? No, the Bible said he knew no sin. He was tempted in every way, but never sinned. All right? The nature of sin was not in him. He was a man. He was in human flesh, and he struggled with the flesh, and he struggled with desires, and he struggled with betrayal. He struggled with emotions. He struggled so much the night before he was crucified with his own will that it took three prayers and the strength of an angel to get him through that night. And amazing how we want Million-dollar answers to 10-cent prayers these days. And for the Son of God, it took three prayers and the strength of an angel to get him through. You know, don't you think it'll take that for us sometimes? Amen. And so why did he have to be baptized? I believe it's to show us an example. And for him to say in the flesh, this is where it all begins. Repent of your sin, be baptized and it was after that that Jesus went into the wilderness, was baptized of the Holy Spirit, filled of the Spirit. He went into the wilderness and was tempted in the wilderness. So the Bible says in Genesis that God rested from his labor. And if you look at the meaning of the Hebrew word for Sabbath, the first meaning of the word is the cessation of labor, the termination or the stopping of labor. The second meaning is rest. 
So it's not just about rest, but it's about stopping your labor. And God instituted the seventh day, and he, he said that he blessed it, and he sanctified it, okay? So God blessed that seventh day. So why would God need to rest? Why would God need to rest? If the psalmist said he never sleeps and he never slumbers, and if Michael Hopkins said he never goes on vacation or takes a day off, then why does God need to rest? So then Moses comes along and organizes the people in the wilderness, and God begins to speak to him. And in um, Exodus 16, if you want to turn there so you're not far from it in Genesis. So just go on over to Exodus 16. And we gain a little more insight into why the purpose of having a Sabbath and and how it was to be lived out among the people. You remember the story of how the people grumbled and complained and and, uh, they said, Moses, you and God have brought us out here to die in the wilderness. We don't have anything to drink. We don't have fresh water. We don't have any food. We're running out of food. So Moses went to God and he said, the people are hungry. There's about two million of them. How would you like to have that crowd for dinner at your house? How would you just like to have the responsibility of taking care of that many? You know, you're going to need a supermarket chain to take care of two million people and a lot of trucks and a lot of farms. Amen? And so God says, okay, I'm, I'm going to send something. Tomorrow morning they can go out and gather it up, and they'll make bread with what I'm sending from heaven. And then Moses gave instruction about the bread, and it's found in chapter 16, verse 27, and um, in a few verses follow. Uh, and, And he gave instruction, and let me tell you this first of all. He said, now, every morning you go out and you gather enough for your family for the day, no more. Gather enough of what it's going to take for your family, take it back and bake it and eat it, because, and don't leave any left over, because it won't be any good tomorrow morning. It'll turn bad, all right? However, on the sixth day, go out and gather enough manna for the seventh day as well. So gather enough for two days, and it won't go bad. Trust me, it won't go bad. And so that was the rule. So uh, every day you go out, you gather enough for one day, except on the sixth day, you gather enough for two days because you're not to go out and gather on the seventh day. But nevertheless, verse 27 Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. And then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread enough for two days. Everyone is to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. When I worked in secular work, and Brad was talking about our early ministry in small churches, and, and I did everything. I painted houses. I, um, I did carpentry work. I worked with a locksmith for a couple of years. I taught school. I drove school buses in South Dakota and Colorado and snow and ice. And, and Loretta and I cleaned apartments in one place just to make a living for our family so we could pioneer little churches. But I always told my bosses, I don't work on Sunday. And um, because I'm a Christian before I'm a pastor, but pastors do have to be with their churches on Sunday, you know. And I, I told one guy one time, I, he said, well, you know, I, you know, I may need you. I said, look, 
There's enough heathens to work on Sunday. Give me the day off. You know. And uh, I didn't tell everybody that because some people wouldn't receive that very well, especially today. But, you know, I did tell one guy that. I said, look, there's a lot of these guys. They don't go to church and they don't really care. I care. You know, because uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if you're aware of it or not, but when I was young, when I was a kid, just a kid, I had a drug problem. Uh, it got real quiet in the church, didn't it? Because my mother drugged me to church every Sunday, whether I wanted to go or not. And there were times when I tried to tell, Mom, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I don't want to go. You're going. The pastor will pray for you. You'll feel better. And in those days, we went to church twice on Sunday. Actually, three times because we went to Sunday school hour. Then we went to the worship hour. And then sometimes we had the preacher over at our house, and he continued his sermon over fried chicken, all the things that he forgot from his notes. And then we went back at 7 o'clock in the evening, and we had another worship service for two hours. And I grew up that Anybody grow up that way? Yeah, Sunday morning, Sunday night, yeah. Matter of fact, too, I did that as a pastor. I worked on a full-time job. I pastored a little church. I preached on Sunday morning. I preached on Sunday night. We did it for years and years and years. As a matter of fact, uh, the last church we pastored before going to uh, to Italy was was back in the nineties in Brad's hometown, and we'd have four to five hundred people on Sunday morning, and I'd preach to that crowd, and we'd have two hundred and fifty people on Sunday night. We had pretty good crowds, but we had church on Wednesday night. How many of you used to go to Wednesday night service? Yeah, and then we had youth service on Friday night, and not only that, but we had House prayer meetings, home prayer meetings during the week as well. And I got drugged to every one of them as well. And you know, I didn't turn out so bad. I thought it was horrible at the time. But you know what? It made it easier back in my day. You want a little history lesson? We had a thing called the Blue Laws. There were no stores, no shops open on Sunday. And the churches really appreciated that because we didn't have to compete with, with Kmart and Walmart and uh, A&P store which that's what this building used to be, an A&P store. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that there, there was no place to go shopping on Sunday? There was no place to go shopping on Sunday. Not in my town. There was a law against it. Really? What a horrible place to live. Yeah, it was. It was a small town of about seven or 8,000 people, and in all my lifetime, I don't ever remember anybody getting murdered in my little town. Come on. And in my high school, we were the same kind of kids as teenagers are today, and we had hormones, and we went crazy, and we did all kinds of stuff. We turned over a few outhouses on Halloween night. No, it was my friends really who did it. I just watched from the distance. And I didn't take a picture with a cell phone and put it on Facebook either. Yeah. You know what? We, we had guns. I got my first gun when I was 13, but I never wanted to kill anybody in my life. I'm almost 70 years old. Most of my life I've had a shotgun, a rifle, and, and I hunted, uh, I hunted uh, deer, and I've killed elk, and I've hunted rabbits and squirrels. My grandfather taught me how to do all that. And I, and I hunted and I had a hunting rifle, but I never wanted to kill anybody. Nobody ever walked through the door of my high school and started shooting at everybody. We didn't have metal detectors. We didn't have security guards. 
It was a horrible way to live, going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and not having a place to go shopping. Not only that, banks closed at 2 o'clock. Most businesses closed at 5 or 6. The local barbershop was full on Saturday because barbershops were not open late at night. We had no 24-hour Walmart. Well, when did people go shopping? They worked on it. You know, they, they worked out their time. But Sunday was a day that was just kind of kept holy. And you know what? There were no soccer practices, little league practices on Sunday. And the local schools had no activities on Wednesday night because all the churches in town had Wednesday night service. Boy, those were horrible days. None of my friends did drugs. None of the guys I ran with wanted to kill anybody. Of all of my kids... Uh, of all of my friends and all of their parents, nobody's family was falling apart and broken. You didn't hear sirens very often. And the chief of police, about all he did was stop people from who ran the stop sign or went through a red light. You know, I mean, the, the most things that kids got in trouble with in, in, uh, in my elementary school was chewing gum or talking out in class. Or in high school, maybe smoking in the bathroom, but that was it, you know. Now girls are getting raped in the bathrooms. We're giving out condoms in our schools today, and we think we're living better. And the church has given way to the culture and say, well, well, pastor, we, do, we can't get anybody to come out on Sunday night anymore. Why? Well, they're all busy. Let me tell you what. I raised three kids. You all tired of hearing this? Uh, I see some heads back here. Why don't you just shut up and go on? We raised three kids, and we went to Brownie Scouts, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, Pinewood Derby. We went to campouts. We went to powwows. We went to Royal Rangers. They had piano lessons. They had trumpet lessons. They had saxophone lessons. They had gymnastics. They had karate. All the things kept us busy. But Sunday, we went to church, and it became a tradition. And it was a tradition that I... After growing up and raising even my own kids, we didn't want to break that tradition because we had time to do all those other things on those other days. You see, there's a concept here, and, I, and I'm not, I, I don't want to put anything off on you. I don't want to put a guilt complex on you. But we are followers of the living God, and we just sang, it's your breath in our lungs. It's your life that's in me. I can't move, I can't live, I can't go to work, I can't go to Walmart if you don't give me life. I can't sit and watch my Orioles on TV or in the stadium unless you give me life. But somewhere along the way, I have to keep God first. And so they went out and gathered enough for the Sunday and went on. It was a horrible life growing up for me as a kid, I can tell you that. I can't remember anybody getting murdered in my town Anyway, so God gives the Ten Commandments, and he gives that commandment, and the commandment is remember the Sabbath. In other words, honor the Sabbath, reverence the Sabbath, keep it holy. Because God said in Genesis that he rested, he blessed that day, that it would be a day to be kept holy. Well, uh, Pastor, then... Um, I'll just take the day off, and I'll stay home and rest like God did. I don't need to go to church. 
Besides, they might ask me for money. Is there any way for a guy to spend his day off to go to a place where they're going to ask for money? So I'll just do the resting part. When we were pastoring in South Dakota, we had a little church of about 100 people, 125, and nice little church in Rapid City. And there was a couple named Bruce and Mary. Bruce and Mary always sat back on this side and about the second or third row. Bruce had a habit of falling asleep in church. He took this teaching literally, you know. I'm going to rest. It's Sunday. (laughs) And as long as Mary was there, you could see Mary, you know. Mary would poke him in the side, and Bruce would wake up. He'd be all right. One Sunday, we decided to have a, a fellowship dinner after church, and Mary was on the organizing committee. And guess what? When I got up to preach, Mary walked out the door down the church basement, helped the ladies get ready for the dinner, and Bruce was sitting by himself. And there was no one to wake Bruce up. Now, Bruce was not one of those guys that would just kind of, you know, his head just kind of go down. Instead, Bruce probably still had his adenoids. And instead of just kind of letting his head go forward, you know, you see people. I saw you over there. I saw you do that. And he'd nod a little bit. But Bruce's head would go back. And as it would go back, there was a noise that would come from Bruce. Now, we're in South Dakota. We got buffalo. We got antelope. We got uh, bugling uh, 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 elk. And, you know, here's this noise. Because Mary wasn't there to keep him awake. And he took it literally. The Sabbath is my day of rest. The bad part about it was most of the congregation was sitting behind Bruce. So everybody in the church saw it. And... um, I got about halfway through point number two, and I just closed my Bible and said, well, we're having a fellowship dinner today. The ladies are downstairs getting it ready. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Let's, let's gather around and enjoy some good food and fellowship. And uh, had a closing prayer. Nobody had ever gotten out at 15 minutes to 12 before. And, um, and so Bruce was one of those guys that took it literally about the rest. Well, the rest that God has given to us. You know, our bodies need rest. Good, I'll go to Orlando and take my kids for a week at Disney World. Yeah, when you get back, you'll need another week of rest just to get over it. How many of you have ever gone on vacation and you needed time at home to rest up? Yeah, yeah. I remember furloughs as a world missionary. We were always glad to get back to the field because our so-called furlough wore us out. We were exhausted. And we get back, and we get back to the field, and we get back to Rome, and we get back to our church in Rome, and somebody would come up, some Filipino, and say, well, Pastor, how was your vacation in America? I'm like, you got to be kidding. I wore myself out, and I'm glad to be back. So God, God knew that mankind had a need for rest, for the physical body, for our emotions, for our spirit. God knew that man needed that time of rest. And then Moses went on another time, and I'll, uh, uh, I'm not going to read that passage to you, but another time in Exodus, and it's found in um, Exodus 31. He gives a reason for keeping the Sabbath. Here's what he said. He said, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. That there's something about us that if we don't take time to stop We just go on in our own energy and our own strength. And you know what happens? We get so exhausted. 
And we don't take time to stop and know that he is the Lord. Wow. Isn't it great? We have a church where in the worship service that teenagers will walk forward like they did this morning during the singing and start kneeling at the altar. Isn't that amazing? Are you glad to see that or, or not? Man, man. Sometimes the whole altar is full up here in front. People just, I just need to go. I need to know God. I need more of him. And especially in this day in which we live. Aren't we glad to see that? Here's another little history story. There's a guy named Palestrina. He's from a village of Palestrina. His name is Giovanni de Palestrina, but they call him Palestrina. And he was a musician who in the 1500s wrote music for the church exclusively. He wrote religious music for the Christian church. And he was from this little village up in the hills out of Rome. I've been in that very place. And uh, one of the Nigerian ladies from our church married a guy from that town whose dad's a banker in Palestrina and an Italian. Well, Palestrina is the guy who wrote our modern music scales. How many of you read music? You played trumpet in high school or you got piano lessons enough, you know, or you sang in a choir enough. You, you read, the, you know, there's a treble clef and a bass clef. And in those clefs of music, there are different shapes of notes, different values. Some are quarter notes, some are half notes, some are whole notes, and, you know, all that kind of thing, and all about the rhythm. But there are also some things in the music line that are called rests. Anybody ever see those little symbols on the music? Yeah, rest. You know what a rest means? Don't play any music. Are you kidding? That's what this is about. A melody line, beautiful music. But all through the music line, you'll see these rests that say, on this beat, play no music. Stop. And you realize if we didn't have those moments of no music being played, how dull and uninteresting our music would be to listen to? We wouldn't have beautiful cadences. We wouldn't enjoy the music. It would actually be, it wouldn't be very pleasant at all to listen to. And it's those moments. My wife is a music teacher and a piano teacher, and she gave me this idea long ago. It's those moments of resting, those moments when there's no music played that makes the melody line more beautiful. The beautiful melody of your life needs sometimes when you say, stop, no music, no work, stop. And that doesn't mean get lazy or go to Disneyland. It means get quiet and acknowledge the Lord your God whose breath is in your lungs and who gives you life every day. How many of you read the book of Psalms? Have you ever seen that word called Selah? You ever see that word? If you've read the Psalms, you've seen that in there. In some places in the middle of a psalm, it'll be like an end of a paragraph, and there'll be this little word, S-E-L-A-H, Selah. You know what Selah means? It means pause. It means stop and think about what you just read before you go on. Man, we need those pause moments in our lives. He said, well, Pastor, what, what are you saying? You want to start having Sunday night service? No. What I'm saying is in the 21st century, we're not going to go back to having Sunday, two Sunday services. There are still some churches in the Midwest that do that. But we probably won't ever go back to that time. But what I'm saying is, let's get the concept. Let's get the idea behind it all. What was God saying? You must be able to find that time to quiet your soul. The Babylonians say that the Sabbath was to quiet the soul, to quiet your life, 
in the presence of God and receive from the Lord. You know, that's why I love the Italian culture. They'd go to church in the morning, and the rest of the day was family day. You always went to mama's house for lunch. Big lunch, lots of food, cheese and pasta and tomato sauces and all this good stuff, you know, and meats and vegetables. And you stayed all day. It was a family day. It was a family day. And so much so that if you weren't there, you were in trouble with your four-foot, ten-inch mama. You were in big trouble. Everybody knows an Italian household, mama runs the house. You don't want to disappoint mama. But there's something about that. Enjoy. Christians love to get together. Some of us will go together when we leave here. We'll go to a restaurant. We'll fellowship. It's a good day. We'll go home. Maybe we'll take a nap. If you're as old as I am, you'll need a nap. So that Monday, Monday can come tomorrow, right? You know, but finding that time to be with the Lord and to rest and and, and take time. Now, some of you young parents, so you older ones just sit tight for a minute, but some of you young parents, establish some traditions with your kids and in your home. Because we always had Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, we always had to spend time with people before and after church. Sunday was not our rest day. But you know what we did? We established early on, when our kids were real small, a couple of them were preschools, that Monday night would be home family night. That's what we called it. And we even call that in our churches that we pastored. We did not schedule any activities on Monday night. Nothing. We, we don't even go to Kmart. And Kmart, in some of the places we live, was a long ways away. We don't, we don't go there. So we had fun on Monday night. And Monday night was our home family night. Maybe Sunday night for you. Our, our youngest daughter, Laura, they stay home every Sunday night with their kids. They go to church on Sunday morning. They stay home Sunday night. And their tradition they've established with their two children is they make homemade pizza. So every Sunday night's homemade pizza with just the family. And it's, it's a tradition because everybody needs a pause. Everybody needs a little rest. But in your pausing and in your resting, take time to quiet your heart before the Lord. Anybody can pray on the go. I pray on the go. Sometimes you have to go. You pray as you go. Pray as you drive your car. Pray as you're walking into Walmart. Pray. You know, Paul said, pray without ceasing. He didn't mean be on your knees for 24 hours a day and do nothing else but pray. But he meant live in an attitude of prayer. We can live in an attitude of Sabbath. We can live in an attitude of observing the Sabbath, observing the presence of God, and live in an attitude of quieting our hearts before the Lord. If you work in an office, find time in your lunch hour, close your door, turn and look out the window, and give God five minutes in prayer and just say, Lord, refresh my spirit. One of the men who came to Jesus in um, almost the earliest years we were in Rome worked for the United Nations, and he was a director. He was a Ph.D. from Cameroon in West Africa. And, uh, and uh, he and his wife were both PhDs. She was a counselor, psychiatrist, and uh, he, he was a doctor in agriculture. And he was one of the directors of the United Nations Food and Agriculture in Rome. And he got saved. They were Anglicans. But one day God led them to our church on Sunday afternoon because the Lord spoke to her and said, you need to go there. Isn't that amazing? You know, we need some people tell, God to tell some people, go to, go to Highland. 
And, and they came, and they gave their hearts to the Lord. I remember when they were baptized. This guy is a director. He flies all over the world. He's in China. He's in Brazil. He's in places all over the world. And every morning, he went to his office an hour early. And at 7 o'clock in the morning, he was in his office with the door closed. And his secretaries and his colleagues knew, you don't bother him until eight o'clock when everybody else shows up in their office. Because every day he went an hour early by himself to read his Bible and to be in the presence of the Lord. And he learned early on as a new believer, if I'm going to be effective in what I do in my life, I need some Sabbath time with God. I need some pause time. I need to quiet myself in the presence of the Lord. And that became his tradition. But you know what? It was a testimony to everybody else in the office. You don't bother the director before 8 o'clock because he's a Christian and he's in there reading his Bible and praying. Wow, what an amazing thing. So God rested on the seventh day. Why? Because God was tired? No, because he needed to give us an example knowing the human beings that he created, that we need to cease from our labors one day a week. We need to stop from our going and going and going. And it's a rat race in the world today. We're just going all the time. We used to call it in the 90s the microwave generation. Today we're the, we're the handheld computer generation. You can do everything with an iPhone. that you, can, you don't even need a computer anymore. You don't even need a disc player. They told me the other day, discs are out. Forget discs. They're going to be a thing. What are you talking about? Man, I've still got floppies, you know? And in our rat race of our world today and all of our busyness and all of our going and all of our activity and all of our entertainment and chasing after dreams and whatever else we do, we need those Sabbath moments. We need those quiet moments. We need those Sila moments. So we're not starting a new movement to go back to Saturday worship, but we're saying if it was so important that it became the fourth commandment, then there's something there that God wants believers in the 21st century to understand about giving time to the Lord and quieting our heart before him. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Father, we pause for this moment in our busy life, in a busy, noisy city, in all the things, Lord, that have us going day in and day out, and all of the demands that are put upon us. We pause in this moment to say, God, help us to understand your reason for the Sabbath and to observe and reverence times set aside just for the Lord and for rest and peace for our souls and quieting our hearts before you and being re-energized in the Spirit. Help us, Lord, as we walk in this fourth commandment to understand how we need those Sabbath moments in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.